Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. First off, we are so excited to have done our first merch drop. Check it out on ForTheGirls.com or the link is on Instagram, Twitter, etc. And sizing is unisex and for everyone. And we definitely hope to do more designs and styles soon. So send us pics of you all rocking it and we'll share. Catch us wearing it all over New York. I'm so excited for the tote bag, especially. And another reminder to join us on Discord. It's been so fun chatting with you all there and seeing everyone get to know each other. So with that, I'm Sarah. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Chessa. Let's jump in on some news. It feels like we've been away for years, even though it's really only been like a week since we all last chatted. So news. We got an awesome announcement yesterday. The 24 race calendar was announced for 2023. It will be the longest ever season to nobody's surprise. It's definitely going to be very grueling for the drivers. The races will go from March 5th all the way through November 26th, then preseason testing in mid-February. So basically the drivers are only going to get two months off and most of the teams themselves are going to be grinding all of December and January to get the new cars ready. So no sleep, no sleep. So insane. Yeah, insane for them. Crazy. The good news is that the start of the season got organized more coherently so that there isn't as much flying literally all around the globe. The first four races are Bahrain, Saudi, Australia, and then China. So theoretically, the drivers could stay over in the Middle East Pacific area if they want to. But then it's back all over the place because there's only a week between Baku and Miami Monaco hung in there, which is awesome. They have a deal through 2025. I'm super excited about that. Some other notable things. The the Chinese Grand Prix is returning, which has not been on the calendar since 2019. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. Las Vegas is confirmed for November 18th, the weekend before Thanksgiving on a Saturday night. So that's super (laughs) fun. Yeah. American people will be grateful for that, but also grateful that they're not getting dragged to Vegas for Thanksgiving. It will be (laughs) wrapped up just in time. (laughs) And notably, the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard was dropped. Sad. Gasly and Ocon did their best to push for it, but it had seemed a bit doomed. So sad for me, but that's okay. And just a side note, we have loved seeing you all on Discord and on Instagram talking about all the races you guys are planning on or dreaming of going to lots of people seem to be excited about the Vegas one, especially my dream for next year is to go to one of the historic international races like Monza or Silverstone or spa. So manifest that for me. (laughs) 
definitely. I have never been to Vegas, so I feel like this could be a really solid first trip to Vegas. Yeah, Vegas is not for me, but <laughs> maybe I would go for Grand, for a Grand Prix. I definitely feel like I have to go at least once in my life just to like say I've gone. In other news, the FAA appointed its first ever CEO, auto industry executive Natalie Robin, who is a woman, which is very exciting. And she's also American. She went to college in the U.S. She's a dual citizen with the U.S. and Spain. And she worked at Daimler, the Mercedes parent company, and Nissan earlier in her career. And then since 2017, she's been the CEO of Volvo in Switzerland. So very exciting. And another note, Alex Albon. Thankfully, he's well on his way to recovering following a super scary respiratory failure that he had after routine appendicitis surgery. It was so terrifying. He was out of the hospital by Tuesday after the Monza weekend and said that he's doing his best to try to be ready for Singapore, but that will be super hard. It's one of the most physically grueling races from the heat, and it's also the longest race on the calendar in terms of duration. It's kind of widely regarded as one of the most physically taxing races, so that might be really hard for him. So Nick DeVries is on standby for Singapore in case he's needed. Apparently, he's going to the Williams UK headquarters to get his seat fitted just in case. So it's good that they have him on standby, but fingers crossed that Alex is able to do it. Definitely. The other big news that we will continue to harp on because we just can't get enough is the driver market. To get the easy ones over with, it definitely seems like Joe will stay at Alfa Romeo and Yuki will be staying at Alfa Tauri. Um, Joe and Alfa Romeo in particular seem very happy with each other, so those are pretty much locked in for next year. The other big item that we've been talking about is Colton Herta. So we've discussed he's an indie driver, a member of the very large McLaren contingency. He was in talks for an AlphaTauri seat if AlphaTauri was going to let Gasly move over to Alpine, but this was contingent on him getting that exception for the super license points. Unfortunately, that fell through after the FIA said they were not going to give him that exemption. So the general idea behind this whole super license system to start with is basically to prevent unqualified paid drivers from getting F1 seats. Uh, it seems like in this case, it might have been mis misapplied or kind of gone a little bit too far. He's one of the top IndyCar drivers. Like he knows how to drive these super intense cars. He can't even get the required number of points because he was doing IndyCar instead of F3, F2. There's definitely been a lot of controversy around that. Indy 500 winner Alexander Rossi, he drove for Marussia in F1 for a few races in 2015. He released a pretty scathing statement about this where he was basically saying Herta is qualified to race in F1. He did like an entire iPhone notes post. So uh, why don't one of you guys read it out for everyone? It's very intense. <laughs> Yeah, like Chessa said, it's worth reading the whole thing, but an excerpt. What is disappointing, and in my opinion, the fundamental problem is that the sporting element so often took a backseat to the business side that there had to be a method put in place in order for certain teams to stop taking drivers solely based on their financial backing. Ultimately, these past decisions, whether out of greed or necessity, is what cost Colton the opportunity to make the decision for himself as to if he wanted to alter career paths and race in F1, not points on a license. Woo! <laughs> that was well-spoken. Very yeah. eloquent man. Zach Brown and Helmut Marco were also not happy. Marco said based on Herta's talent and IndyCar record that it was incomprehensible that he couldn't get into F1. And Brown also told Autosport that the super license system needs to be reevaluated. 
he also pointed out that under the current super license system, Verstappen and Raikkonen probably wouldn't have had the required number of points the year they made their F1 debut, which is interesting to think about. Yeah, I think it's good in principle that they're sticking to the letter of the rules and not making arbitrary exceptions because, as we know, you can run into problems (laughs) that way. But I totally agree with Rossi. Herda is very qualified. He's a multiple IndyCar race winner. And I think the system needs to be adjusted if drivers of his caliber are denied a shot at F1 based only on super license points. And the fact that being a top IndyCar driver isn't enough makes it even more difficult to ever get an American F1 driver. So I hope that's looked at a bit more in the wake of this. And Nick DeVries has been in the conversation a lot. His name is even more in the mix after his amazing performance at Monza, standing in for Alex Albon, where he resoundingly showed up with TV. (laughs) And Max and George, who carded with him, both said he definitely deserves a place on the grid. He's Dutch, and Max is good friends with him. And so maybe Alpine or Williams or Haas could be in his future. He's doing an Alpine test this week alongside Antonio Giovinazzi and an F2 driver named Jack Duhon. And now that Herta's out of contention at AlphaTauri, there is potential that DeVries could move to AlphaTauri if they let Gasly go to Alpine and DeVries met with Helmut Marko in Austria. So that seems like it, even if it's a long shot, could be a possibility. I love that so much speculation is basically sleuths <laughs> just tracking people across, across the globe and being like, oh, they had a meeting at this restaurant in this country. Like, this is what's going to happen. It's very fun to watch. That would be awesome. So Mick Schumacher, for um, for him, Binotto said that he would sit down with him and with Haas and in the fall and try, try to just, like, figure out his whole future. There are definitely a lot of rumors that Nico Hulkenberg could maybe replace him. But in reality, Nico's 35. He hasn't had a permanent F1 seat since 2019. So maybe a little bit more nebulous than people think. And Esteban Akon is obviously really good friends with Mick, and he's pushing for Mick to get the second Alpine seat. There, but that's like pretty unclear how Mick is actually how much Mick is actually in consideration for that. I think Alpine is doing so well this season; they might go for a little bit more of like a points generating driver. But regardless, very cool. And then, notably, the person we have not been talking about enough is Danny only because it's pretty unclear where he fits into this whole scenario, sadly. In terms of our predictions for what's going to happen, I, yeah, I sadly think Danny is out. I think I'm going to say that Gasly stays at AlphaTauri, just given the whole Herta thing falling through. I mean, he definitely could still probably go to Alpine if AlphaTauri gets someone else, but I'm going to say he stays there. I'm going to say DeVries goes to Williams. I think, especially if he fills in for Albon in Singapore, that could be another sort of notch in the belt for him with Williams. I'm going to say Giovinazzi to Alpine and Mick stays at Haas. And I think the reason I think some of this is just DeVries has been super diplomatic about his talks and potential future in F1 saying he's not in a position of being able to choose and will be happy sort of wherever he can get a permanent seat. He, like we said, confirmed talks with Alpine, AlphaTauri and Williams. So we'll see what shakes out, but I think him going to Alpine or AlphaTauri feels like a lot of Tetris for that to like all work out perfectly, but it is F1, baby, so anything can happen. I like that. My takes are Gasly to Alpine, DeVries to AlphaTauri, Mick stays at Haas, and maybe an F2 driver like Logan Sargent to Williams, and so Danny, Rick, and Latifi would be out in that situation. It's sad about Danny, but his only hopes at this point seem to be Alpine or Haas. 
I just don't see him taking Williams when he could leave F1 for a year or permanently retire and be an American <laughs> celebrity. Yeah. As we've seen, people can take a year off and come back sometimes. So maybe that is the best uh, hope for him right now. One thing for me is I really don't get why Haas is seemingly so fast to try to get Mick out of there. He had some big crashes at the start of the season, but he made a big recovery. He got points. And it's not as if K-Mag is just wildly outperforming him. So I don't totally get that. And I think Haas would be kind of silly to let him go. And my thing about DeVries, why I think he might get Alpha Towery, is I think Red Bull wants someone in the pipeline who could be that mature, seasoned, number two driver, maybe after Checo retires. And DeVries is 27. He's a bit older, has a lot of experience, gets along with Max. And I think, uh, as as we've seen, I don't think Yuki is the type of mature, seasoned. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine Yuki in Checo's spot right now? <laughs> that would not fly. That would not fly. For me, what I'm most interested in is, like, all of this movement at the bottom, a.k.a. Haas and Williams. Obviously, Latifi has been notably absent from this entire news cycle, so he's out. I think Mick will actually stay at Haas. I agree with Sarah. Like, I don't know why Gunther's so quick to want to replace him. He objectively, like, is is improving over the season. Like, I think he's going to be – he's going to end up being a good option for Haas. And I think – I'm not going to get into it now, but just something for us all to think about is removing him from his last name and, like, the whole F1 legend that comes with all of that is very interesting and is probably – probably helping him out and potentially staying at the team. I think for Williams, they're going to take a new driver, likely for me, DeVries, or someone who can really shine in that car. I don't know how DeVries would do. Um, But imagine if Danny did go to Williams. That would be a real fall from grace. And then lastly, I think Gasly will go to Alpine, and then the AlphaTauri seat will be up for grabs. So hopefully next year we might have three new drivers. It would be very exciting. That would spice it up. We all need a little extra health boost sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. 
Okay, so we are going to jump to uh, Ask Us Anything Part 2. We will kick this off with a very fun one from Michael Valenzuela, 36, who asked, who would be the most cursed team, constructor, team principal, and drivers? We also added in a strategy lead as well for good measure. So for me, I want to say constructor Williams. They have had a fall from grace <laughs> during the past history, and I just think that they haven't really got their stuff together unfortunately, although maybe things will turn around with Albon and potentially a new great driver. I'm going to go Principal Otmar. He has (laughs) fumbled so many things, and I feel like it was a toss-up for me between Otmar and Bonotto on that one, but I'm going to go with Otmar, and I'm going to say Bonotto is going to do a little bit of a career switch and become a strategy lead at this uh, this new team, and uh, that's we all know how Ferrari's strategy goes down. And the driver pair would be Latifi and Stroll, the two people I feel like I don't understand why they have seats. That does feel cursed. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I'd say hot take, but like a cursed constructor could be Mercedes this year because I think they've been having a really hard time playing catch up with their car. Principal, I'm also going to go with Otmar, although... I don't think he's royally screwed things up big time this year. Like he was kind of getting the short end of the stick, being a little bit blindsided. But yeah, definitely very cursed. Strategy lead, I'd say whoever's running the Ferrari pit crew would just be terrible. And then drivers Latifi. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Latifi plus Latifi. He can race against himself. <laughs> for me, I think for Constructor, I'd go with Austin Martin because at least Williams kind of has that historical pedigree of being a race and championship winning team and Aston Martin just, I don't know what's going on over there for principal. I think Michael Massey, <laughs> that feels cursed. It that definitely feels cursed. And then for strategy lead, it would be the whoever at Ferrari forgot to bring out a wheel for Carlos at the Dutch Grand Prix. <laughs> They're just in charge of everything. And then for drivers, Oh, I'm sorry, Latifi that all three of us said Latifi, but how can I not say him? And then Danny Rick, I think he might be cursed. The curse of leaving the Red Red Bull at the exact possible worst moment. I think all of these would be quite cursed. We have to see a three-way race. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings us right into the next question of would Danny be doing better if he hadn't gone to McLaren? This is from Abril Ramos. And as a brief recap, Danny left Red Bull after 2018, then went to Renault for two years, and then McLaren for two years. So he has hopped around quite a bit. I think yes. I think Renault was performing, underperforming when he left, which was why he left. But as we've seen now, they rebranded to Alpine and things looked up a lot. They have a fast car this year. And plus a lot of Danny's struggles seem to be tied to the characteristics of the McLaren car in particular, which he really had no way to know. Hindsight's 2020. So it's hard to say, but I think it's possible that if we had Danny at Alpine right now, he would be doing a lot better. Interesting. Yeah, I'd say probably. I think it's hard to tell what exactly is causing his downfall on the track. I think the excuse of him not being used to the McLaren car feels worn out at this point. We're like way more than halfway through the season. He's had a lot of time. If he's like that great of a driver, I think he probably should have figured out. So I don't know. I do think he's been relatively hasty and sometimes short-sighted when it comes to switching teams. He left Red Bull super quickly, Renault, because they didn't perform the way he wanted in a super short amount of time. And 
I don't know. I just think there's something to be said for drivers who invest a lot of time in a team and help them build it up. Lewis a la Mercedes, Schumacher a la Ferrari. And yeah. I just, I have not, we have not seen that from Danny. And so I think that has potentially led to part of his downfall. I think potentially in terms of whether he should have stayed at Renault, he could have ridden that wave, helped build the team up. Um, but again, I think just with his personality, he might always just like want to be looking for something new. So I think with McLaren in his less than great season this year, it's terrible to say, but I just don't think he's gotten a handle on learning how to drive that car. And maybe it speaks more to what kind of a driver he is and like the quality of driver that he is. But yeah, I think maybe that would have happened to him at Renault as well. And it's hard to tell either way. Our next question is a very fun one from our very own Blake Ward 2. Who should sponsor Haas? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Such a great question. Thank you, Blake. I think for me, it should be some sort of yacht company so that Gunther can get the boat that he's always dreamed of. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's really funny. I think Ryanair, if you haven't seen their Twitter chemistry with between <laughs> the admins with the back and forth, definitely check it out. I would love the Ryanair. I'm also Irish, so I would love the Ryanair <laughs> logo on the Haas cars. Wait, does Ryanair get along with Haas or do they hate each other right now? Or is it all fun they, and games? They kind of hate each other, but I think it's in a playful way. Okay, because they're flirting. Kind of, they're flirting. It had kind of started with them joking about sponsorship. Got and it. then joking about how each other are back of the plane type enterprises. <laughs> They're definitely flirting and there's a lot of chemistry there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm going to go with Geico. I think a good American company and how cute would Mick with a little gecko helmet be? Assuming he stays <laughs> on the team, but <laughs> let's go with Geico. So how do F2 and F3 work from Tanisha1229 and Adrianato? F3 and F2 are the junior series that support F1 and are a pipeline to eventually get into F1. F3 began in 2019 when two junior racing series merged. This year, F3 had nine races and F2 had 13 races. They are called the support series because all of the races are run on F1 Grand Prix weekends on the same track. For example, at Monza this year, there was, of course, the F1 race, but there were also full schedules of F2 and F3 practice, qualifying, and races. And one thing to note, F2 is more prestigious and is considered the closer pipeline to F1. So a lot of drivers race in F3, then F2, then hope to make it to F1 or other major racing series around the world. For example, Charles, George, Mick, Nick DeVries, and Oscar Piastri were all F2 champions. So very strong pedigree among the F2 champions. But you're not required to do a clear, a straight line progression of F3 to F2 to F1. You could, for example, skip F3 and go straight to F2, or Verstappen famously skipped F2 altogether. But generally speaking, if you're racing in F2, you're a bit closer to getting an F1 seat or another big racing series than if you're in F3. And one thing to note, which is interesting, a big difference from F1 is that in F2 and F3, all of the cars have to be identical. They're cars all made to the same spec. And F1 cars have power steering, while F2 and F3 cars don't. Very interesting. Next question is our dream race to attend with VIP access, of course. And that's from BritBrit774 and Alyssa Alou. For me, easily Monaco preferably on the yacht that Kimmy walked straight <laughs> onto from the track. That's epic. <laughs> With Kimmy, of course. 
Yes. Um, I'm also going to go with Monaco. I will join you and Kimmy on that yacht, but I'm going to add Monza as well. Like I said, I really want to go to one of these historical races that have, I know Monaco fits that bill as well, but I just think being in the Ferrari home camp would be so fun and just wild. So Monaco and Monza for me. I think for me, if I could rally hard enough, we would do Vegas. I want to get, <laughs> you know, bottle service with all the drivers after the race at the club, go see some shows, see Adele at her residency, Vegas for sure. Okay, so this is also a really great question that we got from a bunch of different people. The most dramatic radio ever. <laughs> what do you guys think? This is such a good one. I love this one. I I reached back into the archives. I think Kimi Raikkonen was probably one of the biggest radio personalities the sport has <laughs> over the past many years. Everything from just leave me alone, I know what to do, to the whole back and forth on his drink. You guys should look up that video. It's probably too much to explain, but he was just all over the place on the radio, as we just talked about with his yacht. That was a prime example of his personality, and it's shown through a lot on the radio. So I'm going to go with everything that came out of his mouth, basically. <laughs> I'm going to go with Botas. I think he just has the personality that's like, I know what I need to do. No one else bother me. And when he won at Australia and he said, to whom it may concern, beep you, I thought that was just pretty epic. And he is very true to himself. <laughs> Yeah, that was so funny. There's so – oh, there's so many. It's really hard. I was going to say Lewis at the Dutch Grand Prix this year having the meltdown at the team on the radio. Oof. Then I remembered how earlier this season, in terms of just actually being dramatic, earlier this season when Lewis said, like, oh, I'm in P18 or something. We should just retire the car. Are there even <laughs> points for that position? Like all that stuff. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, there's some good dramatic moments from him. <laughs> but honorary mention, Charles has some underrated gems. In 2018, once he said, quote, Magnuson is and will always be stupid. It's a fact. A shame. (laughs) Charles also always calls himself stupid. He's just like, stupid, stupid, stupid. That hurts my heart. Both 2019 and 2020, he had moments where he crashed or made mistakes. And on the radio, it was just like, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. (laughs) Wow. Poor guy. So hard on himself. In a different vein, we had an interesting question from Corrine Marino about why they weigh the drivers. So under FIA rules, the drivers have to weigh a minimum of 80 kilograms when they're in the car. That's like 175 pounds. This includes their helmets and race suits. But obviously, given the size of most of these drivers, like, it's probably hard for them to reach that. So there sometimes is a weight that's added to the cockpit to get them above that minimum. And then drivers will get weighed after the race instead of before the race because they can lose several pounds of water weight during the race and they still need to be above that minimum at the end of the race. So that's why you see them all like get out of their cars, line up, get weighed, and then weigh in line so someone can write down their weight. It's very like an antiquated way of doing it given how technologically advanced the rest of F1 is. Next question is our favorite driver or personality that isn't currently active. And this got asked by Sayo. For me, I'm going to go with Jensen Button. I think he seems to be a pretty nice guy. He isn't one of the like largest historical personalities in F1, but I love a good character arc from bad guy, playboy, to like someone who's more mature a little bit, like some of the other uh, older drivers on the grid. So I, I like him. I think he's doing good things. He's relatively under the radar, but just seems like a nice guy. So I'm going to go with him. 
That's a good one. Mine is Roman Grosjean. For people who are newer to the sport, he was a Haas driver. He drove for several teams, most recently for Haas. Left F1 after, I think it was the 2020 season, and now races in IndyCar. And he just has so much fun content of his IndyCar experience. At one (laughs) point, he had a huge RV with his wife and kids, and they'll drive around the U.S. going to IndyCar races. And he'll just be so excited by these kind of American... (laughs) he'll be like Jacksonville woo we're here (laughs) that's amazing so I I really like him I think for me this is pretty obvious but I'm gonna have to go with Michael Schumacher I think what he did for the sport really the publicity and just the general legend that surrounds him I think is really incredible and he's just a very nice guy and me growing up watching him race was just really special so I'll go with him Another question we got from Maria Luis Diaz, 02. Which track would you cut forever from the calendar? This is a good one. It's got to be Saudi for me. I think between human rights issues, track danger, missile strikes, I would not be sad to see that one go. Retweet. I think there's not much more to say besides that. Of all the races, it seems like Same. a most obvious pick. Wow. Three uh, unanimous agreement here <laughs> for our first question. Somebody first tell the time. FIA. <laughs> okay. Favorite duo on the grid at Sophie Prejant. We're going to go with any pair, not just a teammate duo. I think Signs and Danny would be so fun. One, I just think their general good looks would be good for publicity. But then two, <laughs> I think Danny's goofiness would bring out this, the the goofy side of Signs, which we don't get to see a lot, and I think it would be really fun. Signs is sneakily very goofy, I think. He is, but, like, you wouldn't necessarily see him being goofy all the time, and I think if he was with Danny, they would just pop off. It would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they would get no work done. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's so true. I think maybe Max and Lando, it's been interesting to see their friendship, and they rode back to Monaco recently after a race together in a helicopter, naturally, and... Max's girlfriend was in the helicopter with them. And then when they got off, um, her daughter was there. Max's girlfriend's daughter was there to meet them. And she was posting these pictures of Lando and her daughter, like, oh my gosh, her favorite driver or whatever. So I I think they have kind of a cute friendship. And I'm also intrigued by their relate. They're both besties with Martin Garrix. And now Lando's <laughs> on his post-breakup DJ streak. So <laughs> that picture was so funny with the DJ set. Also on the plane don't they both have the kygo uh necklaces they're all in with the djs yeah let's see max and lando up doing a set in a visa <laughs> or something next summer <laughs> okay well i'm gonna go with lewis and signs and lewis is also our resident musician so maybe they can get in on the action if there is any um but i think lewis and signs would be a fun pair lewis can do all of the pr and activism and signs, Chessa, to your point, can be sort of the goofy side and they can they could be a good duo. I would like them together. Okay, another question from Corinne Marino. Can race leaders use DRS or is it just if you're behind one, someone? So everyone gets DRS if they are following a car within a second. During the race, the only requirement is that you are within a second of the car in front of you at the DRS detection point going into the DRS zone. DRS is not available for the first two laps after the start or after green flag racing after a safety car and also isn't available in wet conditions. So a race leader could get DRS if they closely follow the back markers going into a DRS detection point. So 
in that sense, sometimes the cars getting left actually help the race leader. So thank you to all of you out there <laughs> slowly helping the race leaders. Latifi just getting, getting max PRS. <laughs> Except for when they ignore blue flags, like Albon is pretty famous at doing that. <laughs> Next question is how we feel about Piastri as a personality from Zoe Dubs. I think it's a little too soon to tell what his persona as a driver will be like, but I do think he should definitely get a chance. And it's kind of unfair that some people have branded him as opportunistic or not being loyal from the whole debacle because really who knows what went down behind the scenes and maybe he's really just the victim of Alpine here. And I think it's a bit unfair that all these team principals like Toto are weighing in on basically giving him a lecture on loyalty when who knows what happened and maybe it really wasn't his fault at all. Yeah, I would also spare him the lectures for now. I think he definitely got the short end of the stick with with everything that happened. It seemed like he was also just as blindsided as everybody else. So I'd say jury's out, and let's see how he does next year. I will also give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think it's worth judging him until he's had a chance to prove himself on his own terms. That being said, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he was blindsided given the years and the money Alpine spent developing him. I still think that maybe Mark Webber and Alonso had a little scheme going on behind the scenes, but whether warranted or not, I think the drama will be a heavy burden to bear for him in his debut season, and he'll have a lot of pressure to perform and to beat the Alpine cars. So regardless, it will be a fun season to watch if Alpine and McLaren are neck and neck like this year. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, it'll be fun to really add. There's already an Alpine-McLaren rivalry, but this will really add some juice into that <laughs> for next year. Exactly. Another question from M.M. Stevens. After Rattle's requirement, who on the grid do we think might be the next to retire? This is a really fun one. Um, I thought it would be Alonso, but with his surprise, his surprise move to Aston Martin, I'm not so sure anymore. If being fired counts as retirement, I'll go with Latifi. <laughs> but maybe Alonso is still in the mix after a year or two at Aston Martin. I think Danny's going to retire, but then maybe come back in like a year or so. But for now, I'm going to go with Danny. It's so sad. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I agree with the Danny thing. But in terms of people who might voluntarily retire, I could definitely see Checo leaving in a few years after his Red Bull deal is up, kind of depending on the circumstances and whether he gets another Red Bull deal. But he has three young kids now, which is just, as we've mentioned, 24 races. The schedule is insane. So I could see maybe him being next. What driver do you think is best with the fans from Katie GTZ? I'm going to go with Danny again on this one. He won Drive to Survive. He knows how much people love him, but then Secondly, I think Lewis is very, very gracious to everyone, not just fans. So Lewis as well. I think Danny Rick, I think he seems to be really fun and genuine in fan interactions. And I do appreciate that he kind of values the American fan base as well. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with those two. I am going to go with Vettel. Maybe not in Ooh, terms of like social media presence or millennial Gen Z content creation. <laughs> he's like not out here doing TikToks, but I feel like he's made himself into the good guy dad of F1 and I am here for that. And I think people have latched on to a lot of the causes that he is supporting and vocal about. So I think Vettel is a good one. That's such a good one. I love that. So for our last question of the day, the most exciting question of the day, the driver's salaries, this one comes from Kate Stodds. 
these are the rumored salaries for this year. Emphasis on rumored, and this is all based in U.S. dollars. So I'm going to run down the list. Hamilton estimated range from thirty to fifty million. For stopping blows everyone, you'll hear the rest of the list. Blows <laughs> yeah. everyone else out of the water. Let's just everyone think about the delta as I as I keep going through this list. For stopping, his is also a big range in estimates, anywhere from twenty to thirty-five million. Then Alonso, Vettel, and Danny are all thought to be in like the fifteen to twenty million dollar range. So Ricardo's McLaren deal definitely was on par with World Championship bracket up at the top. We have Leclerc at ten to fifteen million. Lando's ranges from like five to twenty million, so who knows? I'd probably say like maybe ten. Then we have Bottas, Checo, Sainz, and Stroll around eight to ten million. K Mag five to six. Gasly, Ocon, Russell like five million. Poor George like five to fifty. And Can't Stroll's out earning him by double. <laughs> well, we I guess it's know. his daddy's we all know money. Why that. <laughs> I know. Hopefully, Russell gets a pay raise next year. He really deserves it for sure. Um, we have Albon at one to two, and then we have Latifi, Joe Schumacher, and Yuki at around a million or less, which obviously like is a lot of money, but compared to fifty million, is sad. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Hamilton's a seven-time world champion. Yeah, money so talks. You're right. Latifi's got to step up his game a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll also add sometimes drivers will get performance bonuses in their contracts and things from like sponsorships and ads, but. We hope you all enjoyed our AMA. We have such a good time going through these and it gives us a chance to talk and kind of hear each other's opinions. So thanks for everyone who asked questions. To wrap up, we're a week and a half away from Singapore. So look out for our pre-race previews on that and everything to come. So we're really excited. We'll talk to you guys then. 